Welcome to Level Up Academy, the podcast that's dedicated to the higher education community that brings you countless stories of employees, students, and faculty's journey in this remote world we live in. We are expanding our podcast to business leaders and community experts who are sharing their adversity that each one of us experience and share their story to inspire and inform our world. This is your host, Dr. Leland, a serial educator, an opportunities designer, and a compassionate leader. Welcome, Level Up listeners. This is Dr. Leland, another episode of Level Up. Today, I have a very special guest. Introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Thank you, Dr. Leland. Uh, my name is Scott Miller. I live in uh, North Carolina, in Durham, North Carolina. I am a professional executive and leadership coach. Uh, I am certified through the International Coaching Federation. And I work with leaders on uh, in many different roles, from frontline supervisors to C-suite executives. Um, I work with entrepreneurs. Last year, I had a chance to work with the executive director of a small but uh, growing and thriving nonprofit out in California. It's doing really wonderful work out there. And I specialize in time management. Um, I, I empower leaders to transform their relationship with time, which basically means helping people be more satisfied with the way that they use their time. Uh, that's really what I enjoy doing is helping people reach a point where at the end of the day or the end of the week, they're very satisfied with, with what they've accomplished. Um, and as, as we were talking about earlier, I have a little bit of an unusual, um, I would say, career history, which we can talk about if you like. Um, but I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. I do want to, that history. I want to know. I'm sure they want to know from there to here. Let me know about that. Let us share about that. Sure, yeah. So um, I was a professional skydiving instructor for uh, a little over 15 years. Um, I was a, a full-time skydiving instructor, uh, did some free fall photography. I worked uh, for a few years as a, a test jumper. So I worked for a parachute manufacturer testing parachutes for them. Had my own uh, skydiving coaching business for a number of years. So I was doing basically like advanced training for skydivers who'd already been through their initial training and had anywhere from 20 skydives to several thousand, you know, multiple thousand skydives. Uh, I did that for several years, had a really great and rewarding career in skydiving and decided that I wanted to do something different. Um, there were some different things happening in my life. It was kind of in a period of transition. And so I stepped away from skydiving. And yeah, just if you want me to stop at any point, let me know, but I'll keep going through my point. I would like keep going. Resume. This is your this is your time. Go for it. Sure. So um, I, uh, I stepped away from skydiving, which was kind of a big it was a very big, very big step for me because I've been doing it for a number of years. I was very comfortable doing it, um, had a whole you know life built around skydiving. Uh, but I walked away, not really sure what I was gonna do next. And I ended up working at a wildlife sanctuary here in North Carolina uh, called Carolina Tiger Rescue. And they uh, rescue lions and tigers and other wildcats from the pet trade, from the entertainment industry, from people who try to keep them as pets, which is a really bad idea in case you're wondering. They rescue them from facilities that shut down and can no longer care for, for their animals. So I worked there for three years as their volunteer coordinator. Um, I was 
leading a group of over 100 volunteers that helped the staff with just everything there at the sanctuary. And after I left that, that really interesting and fun job, I ended up working for a test preparation company. So for any of your listeners who are familiar with the LSAT, the law school admission test, I happened to have a top 1% score on the LSAT. And I worked for a test preparation company for about seven years, teaching prep courses for the LSAT, doing private tutoring. Um, I've helped a number of people get into some, some, some of the top law schools in, in the U.S. And uh, did that for a number of years and then became interested in coaching. Um, a friend of mine, another uh, one of our instructors at the test prep company that I worked for was a professional coach. And uh, through talking with him, I became interested in that profession. I went through an eight-month coach training and certification program um, with an organization called IPEC, the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. Completed their program, um, went on to be certified through uh, the ICF, the International Coaching Federation. And now that's my, that's my career. That's my gig. That's, I'm, a, I'm a leadership coach. Awesome. There you go, the, the I, tour I love fun. it. It's called life, right? You have different yeah. ways to do things and and find and trying to navigate because we all are trying to find our purpose. But I think we gravitate gravitate towards what really is what we're meant to do, right? At the end of the day, if you look back in all your experiences, you were really just being a leader, but you just didn't know where you're going to be leading what, you know, at that time. And now this is your purpose. So I'm glad that you're here. Um, what traits and skills do you feel are the most important to becoming a leader or the people that you're talking to about their leadership styles and things like that? What do you think is the most important? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And I think a good way to frame that question is to think about what's most important to the people that you're going to be leading. You know, so you're with your experience in, in education and, you know, I, my background as a teacher, I think we both know that, um, it, teaching is definitely can, is a leadership role, right? You know, when you're leading your, your students in the classroom. And I think the most effective teachers are the ones who leave their students feeling empowered. Not when, you know, I mean, it's great to have students walk out of a classroom and say, boy, that teacher knows so much. But it's even better when a student walks out of a classroom and says, wow, I'm really impressed with what I know now with what I can do, right? And I think in any leadership role, if you're focusing on that, on um, having the people that you lead feel empowered, which is a big challenge. I mean, there we can go through a whole list of challenges that many leaders face, but um, I think the ability to consider, probably just if you boil it down to one thing, the ability to consider what the people who you're leading need and what's going to help them feel empowered and effective and engaged in what they're doing. I think if you're able to, to think about that and, and try to, to um, shape your leadership style from that perspective, I think that's a very valuable. That's true. Yeah, a lot of people always say being a teacher is already a leadership in its own. It's either you're good at it or you're trying to be good at it, right? Because you're mm -hmm. trying to convince people like, I only know this slivet of the world, but you're here anyway. Let's have fun and, and learn together, right? Um, and most of the time, your students know more about other things than you. Um, yeah. And you need to kind of realize that it's not about you. It's about their journey on what they want to get out of this class to add to their life. 
Um, and I think sometimes teachers forget like, oh, I'm a teacher. I'm, you know, you're, you don't know a whole lot you think that you do. You know what I mean? Um, so that's how I think. I, how do you approach? Let's talk about your business. Like you're doing coaching now, right? How do you actually approach customers or I should say partners or however you want to call it to say, hey, I'm doing coach on time management. I have a lot of entrepreneurs who are listening to us as well. How do you get people to say, hey, come with me. I'm going to show you how you can manage your time. Yeah, I, I, that's a great question. What I really end up doing when I, when I start speaking with someone who might be interested in getting coaching is try to find out as much as I can about them and their unique challenges and the outcomes that they want to create. Um, because, you know, there are many different types of coaching and some people approach coaching from almost like a teaching standpoint, right, where they're going to teach people how to do something. Other coaches take a more like mentor or advisor role where they're going to give a lot of advice. And what I do is I call it client-centered coaching. Um, it's very much the Socratic method, you know, so teachers out there who are familiar with the Socratic method. What I say is I'm a professional five-year-old. Because if you've ever been around little kids, they ask a lot of questions, right? Like, you know, oh, Why? what are you doing? You know, the kid comes <laughs> up to you, what are you doing? Oh, you know, you're sitting there on your laptop. You say, oh, I'm working. And the kid says, well, it's Saturday. Why are you working? Well, because I have to get this done. Yeah, but daddy doesn't work on Saturday. Why do you have to work on Saturday, right? And, yeah. you know, it, it can be a lot. Like, kids can be a lot to deal with when they're asking a million questions. So I try to be a little bit more adult and professional than that. <laughs> um, not quite as overwhelming. But that is really what I do. I, you know, when I'm coaching someone, I don't give a lot of advice. I might make a suggestion every once in a while. But most of what I do is ask questions that help people examine their own thinking. So that they can better understand, you know, whatever outcomes they want to create, uh, better understand their current situation and maybe opportunities that they're not recognizing that are right there in front of them. And then, you know, develop and really based on what the person I'm coaching wants, develop a plan to get from where they are now to where they want to go. And to, to you know, go back to your question, that, that starts right in the beginning when I'm talking with someone about you know, who might be interested in hiring me as a coach is we'll talk about what they actually want, what they're looking for, what they think a coach can help them with. Um, and it is, especially with time management, I find, and I'm sure you're aware, there are so many methods out there and techniques and books and videos and websites. And there are, there are a lot of good techniques out there, but I don't believe, in my experience, there's any one-size-fits-all solution. And, it's, and so I think this is why this, this Socratic style, this client-centered coaching works so well is because um, it takes a little bit of experimenting to figure out, you know, hey, if I want to, if I feel like I'm not using my time very effectively, I feel like I'm procrastinating, I feel like I'm wasting time, which interestingly enough, it's, 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 it's interesting to see how many very successful people who've accomplished a lot in their life still say, oh, I procrastinate so much, or I don't feel like I'm using my time effectively. So being able to talk with somebody about that and figure out what's going to work for them, right? And, and you know, I have my own methods that, I, that, I, that work well for me. I'm a big fan of bullet journaling, Ryder Carroll's bullet journal method. Yeah, you, you too. Huh? Um, it's a great method, but, and it's worked very well for me, but it's not going to work for everybody. So I'm not going to say to somebody, oh, yeah, you should definitely use the bullet journal method. I might you know, ask if they want to know more about it or if they've heard of it. We might explore that as a possibility. But really, I try to be familiar with a lot of the different methods out there and techniques 
or time management just so that maybe I can make a suggestion or suggest something that someone might explore or look at. And then the, the real, I think, the fun and the effective part of what we do together when I'm working with someone is really discovering what's going to work for that, the unique recipe that's going to work for that person. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I'm going to use that with your permission. The words say, the words or the statement saying, I'm a professional five-year-old. <laughs> I like that because I had a conversation with leaders when I talked to them. And uh, you're like, how do you handle your people? Because I get surveys and my surveys is pretty high with my team. And they're like, well, what are you doing differently than I'm doing? I'm doing pretty much the same thing and you're doing. I'm like, are you harassing them on text? They're like, no. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm doing different. <laughs> um, literally. And I told them, I'm like, hey, I'm sending you an email. That was two days ago. I, are you alive? Literally, because it's COVID right now. Are you okay? I want to make sure because people are, you know, I have family members who died from COVID and my mom's been sick five times now of COVID. Like, I want to make sure you're okay. COVID is not fun. I've had it yeah. and I'm still coughing from COVID. It's been two months. And, and so mm-hmm. I check up on them, genuinely care, you know. And I think that's what's happening that's different for me than others is I genuinely care and I try to see what's best in communicating my people. Some just want email, some are just text. But if you don't respond to me in an email, you know I'll be texting you. Mm -hmm. So I told them also, like, I think all business leaders need to go back to kindergarten. (laughs) No, seriously, because... That's great. No, that's fantastic. Right? Kindergarten, you are told by your teacher... Now, CJ, be nice to Scott. Scott, be nice to CJ. Say thank you. Say please. Scott, open the door for CJ when you're when you're out, right? I mean, je- be a gentleman. That's what you're told when you're five. But what happens when you become an adult? You know when you go out to that mall and it's not the automatic and it's the door. You see people coming. You don't even open and wait. You just yeah. let that slam your door. My daughters will wait and they don't even say thank you to her. You know, she's a teenager and she's opening the door for adults and they don't even say thank you. Like they're so entitled that another person opened for them. They can't say two words. Thank you. Right. Yeah. So I think people do. We all, especially leaders, need to go back to kindergarten. I'm sorry. Like that's how I feel. Yeah, there, well, there's, there are a few interesting things that you said about leadership that I think are very important for, for listeners to hear. So you mentioned earlier the idea that we're all learning together. Yeah, you were talking about that in reference to teaching. Uh, That's very powerful. In you know, I I had a friend of mine who is a very, very highly respected teacher in his field, and he would say, you know, teachers are advanced students. Mm -hmm. That's really what it is to be a teacher. You're an advanced student who's helping other students. So I think in in any kind of environment, a business environment, realizing that even though you may be a leader and you may have specific responsibilities you're still a part of that team that is learning together and growing together and taking that approach is so valuable. Being able to say, hey, I don't have all the answers. You know, I'll do what I can to help you and support you. I will listen, I will find out. But yeah, I don't, I don't, don't, you know, I don't feel like I have to have all the answers. You also mentioned recognizing the, the brilliance of the other people mm-hmm. around you, right? Whether they're your students or whether they're your, you know, your, your, the people on your team. The same person I was talking about, my, my friend Rags, the uh, Rags Rishanti, that really highly respected teacher, he used to say, all the best new ideas come from the students. And that doesn't mean that student, you know, students are wrong sometimes and they still need us to, to help them and teach them, but they'll come up with new ways of doing things 
that we would never think of as being you know, the more experienced people. And same thing when you're leading a team in a business environment or whatever environment it is, you know, empowering those people, recognizing the what they bring to the table and what they want to contribute. That's so important. And the other thing that you said that I think is very important is, you know, showing that you care, showing that you're there to support people. Um, I've had a lot of jobs where I kind of joke around and say most of the jobs I've had, I've had a lot of responsibility and very little adult supervision. So like my bosses knew that they could leave me alone for a week and, you know, I'm not going to burn everything in the whole house. <laughs> not yet. The not yet. Will be done. <laughs> and yeah, but still, I, I, I like being in that kind of environment. I really do. But I still like when a boss checks in every once in a while and says, hey, how's it going? Do you need anything? You're good. Okay, great. You know, let me know yeah. if you need anything. I think even people who are very independent appreciate knowing that a leader cares and, you know, wants to check in every once in a while. You know, I think people like a balance, especially people who are very good at what they do mm-hmm. and very competent. They don't necessarily want somebody, you know, micromanaging. So maybe that term gets overused a little bit, but it is accurate. You know, people don't want to feel like like you're a puppet having your strings pulled. But at the same time, I think people don't want to be completely abandoned either. So when you're willing to check in, like you were talking about, send a text every couple of days, say, hey, are you okay? How's everything going? That, that's really valuable. Yeah. Yeah, they miss that. Now that I'm not a dean, they actually harass me and said, hey, how come you didn't check in on me? I'm like, well, I, I don't need nothing from you. What do you want right now? I don't have money for you either. You know what I mean? Like, And they're like, I just want to have a meeting. I'm like, okay, well, have a meeting for the sake of having a meeting. How's life? How's kids? And and I know about their their family because we have that conversation. Sometimes we don't talk about work. Like, work will be there. It doesn't matter. You know, it's going to be there tomorrow too. But yeah. I think creating relationship with your team or your people or your students is far better than the the theory itself because they can read that self-paced, honestly. But yeah. the conversation between A and B and creating that relationship and how, how you could collaborate in the future is so much more important to me than the work itself because work will, you know, will be there. Now, I have a question for you. Now that you're doing coaching, do you, like, has the recent COVID-19 pandemic changed the way you do your business? Like, has that ever more challenging or the same or more opportunities? That's a very interesting question. In terms of the coaching, it's I actually completed my coach training and certification uh, in March of 2020. So just before everything, you know, cut loose. So it's almost like I've really been just running my business in the COVID world, you know, the whole time. It's almost like from a, a standpoint of being a coach, it's like I don't really know anything else. And I would say it's impacted, um, it's, it's, it's caused me to look for different opportunities than the most obvious ones. So doing things like in-person events, you know, there are some, some great like co-working spaces nearby here where it would be easy to do in-person. I said, I hang out there a lot and my wife and I have been really cautious about COVID and trying to, you know, not do everything we can to not catch it. So, you know, being a little more cautious has has created some limitations on the ability to interact with people face-to-face. The interesting thing, though, is I've been teaching and tutoring and coaching online, like especially teaching and tutoring online for since, like, 2013. I was even using Zoom, you know, before it was, using Zoom before it was cool, you know. I was working yeah. with a test prep company I was working for, you know, we, we I think 2017 or so we started using Zoom, uh, switched from another online platform. So... I did. I have joked a little bit and said, like, my daily routine hasn't changed a whole lot because of COVID. You know, I still 
get on my computer and get in Zoom and, you know, coach people or that's, that's where I do a lot of my interaction. Um, I know a lot of people understandably prefer to be in person. I, I would say, given the preference, yeah, I, you know, it, it is really great to be in person. But I'm also very comfortable in a virtual environment, whether that's teaching, coaching, running a webinar, facilitating a workshop, doesn't bother me to do it that way. So, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if that's like a really, it's kind of a roundabout wandering answer. <laughs> no, I actually, I, I see what you're saying because a lot of people goes, you know, do you prefer? And I said, well, I would rather be in the convenience of my home than outside for now because I haven't, we haven't caught COVID until I went to Vegas for work. And that's when I caught it. But when just doing daily stuff around here, they're like, oh, a million people a day gets COVID. And yeah, I was one of that million when I went to Vegas. Airplane, you know, the whole air circulation with people, you're playing games with your coworkers. You don't know if they're sick. They probably didn't know that they're sick. They caught up somewhere else. You, you just don't know. And and I think that's the hardest part is that face-to-face. But I think that this is the new reality that we have to accept. It's not going away. Online's not going away. It's because now we truly do not have borders. Like, literally, I was in an interview from London and Australia you know, a time difference in India, but who cares? Like, we can still see each other. Yes, we can't hug each other, but I'm like, yeah, at least I'm not giving you cooties right now. So you could, <laughs> you know, so, so do you think that coaching is something that you is the purpose for your life? What do you think? What are your thoughts on that? That is, that's a very, I don't want to say loaded question because that has a negative connotation. It's a juicy question. It's a very yeah. Juicy question. Is it the purpose for my life? I feel like, I don't know, like the whole idea of what is my life's purpose, I can go down a real rabbit hole with that. And the whole idea of, is there a purpose? You know, do we really know what our purpose is? Or is life more about um, doing things that are valuable and important and fulfilling, whatever that ends up being? Because honestly, it's it's weird for me because when I talk about my whole history of being a skydiving instructor, working at a tiger rescue sanctuary, becoming an LSAT instructor. I never actually planned to do any of those jobs. Right. (laughs) You know, it was just something where the opportunity came up. Like when I started skydiving, all of the really experienced skydivers at the parachute center where I learned were all instructors. And in fact, one of the owners helped develop this particular training method that's widely used in skydiving called accelerated freefall. Rocky Evans was one of the owners of the parachute center where I learned and one of my instructors, one of my teachers. And so seeing all these guys who were like really experienced, really skilled skydivers, and they were all instructors, you know, so I wanted to do what the cool kids were doing. And that's how I decided to be a skydiving instructor. It wasn't something that, you know, I I carefully planned and articulated. Um, Same thing with the Tiger Rescue Sanctuary. I was actually volunteering there as a tour guide. And somebody came up to me one day and said, hey, you know, there's a position opening on the staff. And, you know, I think you'd be a good candidate. Maybe you should apply for it. The LSAT instructing was something that uh, a friend of mine was working for the company. And she said, hey, you know, you should you should look at this company. I think you'd be a really good fit for the way that we teach. So for me, um, I do think about what my life's purpose is. But what I really see happening more in my life is being open to opportunity and finding opportunities that uh, entice me, that interest me, and that feel like they're a good fit for my particular skills and interests, you know. And I'm just very grateful. To, I'm very grateful for the other people in my life. 
Um, you know, like the fact that I'm a coach now is because mainly because a friend of mine, another instructor that I worked with uh, was a certified coach. I started talking with him about it. So I really feel more than like there's any kind of guiding North star or, (laughs) you know, I'm listening to you. And from what I'm gathering is that there's somebody on every single place that you're in and working, there's always somebody who recognizes your skill and your abilities before you even do and then get you into it, right? Because all the things that you're like, well, I had a friend of mine that introduces me or they recognize, like all the things that you've done, you actually probably not aware that you have all the skill sets that you have and people recognize first and get you into that. So it's not like you're intentional and like, I really want to be a rescue center, you know, guiding Mm -hmm. tour. I really want to be a coach. It's not like you're intentional. You're basically like, like diving, you know, like you kind of bump into air and you kind of adjust and then you, you know, so I feel like that's where you're at. It's like you're introducing to people who recognizes your abilities and your skills. And you're like, you know, come to think of it. Yeah, I could do that. And then you kind of go for it. And I feel like you also are like me. Either you go all the way or you're not. Otherwise, you wouldn't mm-hmm. get certifications. If it's something you didn't believe in and if it's something that you're like, mm, I don't know if I can fit in that. But you did. You believed in it. And so you went for it. So that's actually pretty cool. Some people are intentional um, on what they do, but you're right. In life, sometimes there is no North Star. <laughs> I wish there was, yeah. right? Open the book. And, yeah. And can I share something that I was thinking of as you were saying that? Yeah. Is, yeah, I, I feel I'm very, very grateful, very happy that I've had the opportunity to try things that were interesting. I kind of, and I do kind of go all in a lot. Like if something really interests me and I enjoy it, I will go all in. And I want to do a good job and I want to be helpful. And, and I've always wanted to you know, help other people. And I think that that has created a lot of the opportunities that I have, um, you know, when, you, when you're willing to do a good job, willing to work hard, you know, do your best to be of service. I think people do appreciate that. And I think that has created a lot of opportunities for me. But it's interesting when we talk about purpose, because I often hear people, you know, and whether this is in person talking to people or on social media or wherever, people are often concerned because they feel like they're not sure what their purpose is. Right? Or they don't feel like they have this strong sense of purpose, you know, in their life. And I think that's okay. You know, it's, it's great if you have it. It's really great if you have a strong sense of purpose. If you've, if you've known since you were nine years old that you wanted to be a veterinarian, and that's, you know, you took science classes in high school, and you got into a great, you know, uh, university, and then got into vet school, like, you know, there are people like that. That's not necessarily how life works for everyone. And it is, I I believe, very okay to say, yeah, I don't really know. You know, I don't feel like I have that compass guiding me right now. So let me just go on a little walk. Let me go on a little, and that's that's the way my life has been. You know, just kind of going on a walk, on an adventure and seeing what comes up. And I think if you are willing to work hard, you're willing to put in your best effort, you do your best to be of service to people. Um, and like you were talking about the, uh, you know, the, the common courtesy, right? Holding the door for people saying, thank you. Things like that make a difference. You know, and people will remember how you made them feel. People will remember when you made them feel good about themselves, when you made them feel appreciated. And I think just doing those things and looking for opportunities and being open to whatever life has to offer can also be really valuable if you don't feel like you have that particular purpose north star guiding (laughs) i don't know if i have a north i know someone asked me that actually they're like well did you 
just say you wanted to be a dean? I'm like, no, I just wanted to <laughs> teach, you know. And like you said, someone recognizes your abilities and skills. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to go for it. Why not? And then when you're in it, you're like, okay, how do we organize these things, you know, to make sure I have an issue with organizing my thoughts. And if it doesn't get organized, I'm like, I'm going to walk away because I'm going to get frustrated. I'm going to go back to it, you know. So I like the, the approach that you have because I think it also is good for listeners who are younger, who are like my daughter, you know, she's in senior this year and she's probably feel pressure like, oh my God, I don't want to go to college or oh my God, I want to go to college, but I don't know which college. And I think living your life, not worrying about those things and just doing the best you can, you'll find a way. And if people recognize, like you said, do a good job so that people do recognize and how you make them feel and and be courteous and be nice and, you know, be empathetic. So I like that. Now, do you have a lifetime career goals that you have in mind or you're like, I'm just going to do coaching for now and see where it goes? My career goal right now is to, and it's, coaching fits in very, very well with this, to be able to do something that I enjoy, where I feel like I'm making a useful contribution, where I feel like I'm, I'm helping people, I'm helping other people, you know, uh, achieve what they want to achieve. That, that's something that's always made me feel good. And to be able to do that while I pay my bills and also uh, have the time to do things that I enjoy, like spending time with my wife and windsurfing which is kind of my new um, <laughs> that's my new source of fun and exercise right now that's kind of stepped into the the, the space that Scott having left open wow so that's it that's my goal like i'm pretty i'm pretty simple <laughs> goal, hey you know? if you're happy um, and you're satisfied I, you know when you were talking i was actually like trying to put a, a label on you i'm like no i shouldn't but i was thinking like oh scott could be like the time doctor like you know what i mean like because time doctor Hey, yeah, right. Because then you put a clock, you know, put a clock on the doctor, like doctor. And then, yeah, yeah, just put a time doctor, right? Because think about it. You're looking at time management. You're looking at satisfaction on your time and how you can actually be one with yourself and be satisfied every day that you're managing your time. So and you're coaching that time doctor love that that is so awesome right um, <laughs> try to find that if there's a, a name on that or you could say scott the time doctor if if there's already a time doctor out there you can use uh, yeah. it yeah thank you thank you and i feel like it's kind of official since that title has been bestowed on me just now by someone who has doctor in their title yeah i'm a five-year-old professional i love it we're gonna just exchange ideas scott for sure now i'm going to end this because we could have a conversation all the way and i respect your time but my last question is i have seen an interview on the dalai lama his holiness and he said change begins within you Use compassion to change your world and ultimately our world. So my question to you is, how do you hope to change the world? How do I hope to change the world? Well, compassion is important, I think. That's one of the things that, you know, if if anyone who's who's heard what the Dalai Lama teaches or or, heard him speak or read any of his books, he talks a lot about compassion. And, you know, compassion being the desire for other people to be free from suffering. So compassion isn't, you know, about looking down on people. It's recognizing that we all want to be happy. Mm. 
And I think that's a very powerful part of his message is recognizing that we have that common desire to be happy and, and, you know, right to be happy. So I just totally, can you repeat the question again? (laughs) You're not paying attention time, doctor. (laughs) I'm I'm going to call you that from now on until you believe it. How do you hope to change the world? How do I hope to change the world? Yeah, I think I having compassion for myself. I think that's a, that's an important step recognizing that, yeah, I've done things in my life that um, looking back, I would do differently, maybe knowing what I know now, things that I'm not really happy about, especially with, you know, like being selfish towards other people. Like I know that I can be very selfish sometimes, not like necessarily in a super mean way, but just not necessarily thinking about other people. So things like that, having compassion for myself so that I am able to genuinely have compassion for other people. I think both of those things go hand in hand. So just by being compassionate to other people, doing what I can to help other people one at a time, like the IPEC, the coach training program that I went through, one of their their slogans is raising the consciousness of the world one person at a time. Mm -hmm. And I think it can be so overwhelming to think about all the things and the, the ways that we would like to help people and the ways that we would like to make the world a better place. So for me, being able to focus on what I can do one day at a time, one person at a time, you know, in, in some way, helping someone any, you know, anytime I, I, I interact with someone, whether that's holding a door for someone or just, you know, whatever we can do to help each other out and then doing that one person at a time, one day at a time so that it doesn't get too overwhelming and just in small ways, you know, I think I've, I've one of the things I've realized as I've gone through life is as much as maybe many of us would like to do something really huge and dramatic to change the world, we can really serve each other better by just focusing on that one day at a time and one person at a time. Small changes lead up to, you know, huge differences in the long run. So I hope that answers your question. Coming from the time doctor. (laughs) I'm advertising you with your own name that you don't even know, right? Here's the here's the opportunity that you were talking about bumping into people. I'm I'm actually really I don't know what it is in my brain. I'm so creative sometimes with with words, and um, it's funny because I don't create my own words for myself, but for other people for sure. <laughs> but it's just hilarious. But thank you for that time with us today, and hopefully your time with me was fulfilling. And just know that whatever contribution you have today, somebody out there in the world is listening to this and hoping that it will inspire them, it will motivate them to manage their time where they're satisfied with their day, right? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Do you have any last minute or anything? Where can they find you if they want to have coaching with you? Where your websites or anything like that? Yeah, my website is scottmillercoaching.com. And yeah, you can go there and find out more about what I do. Uh, There's a contact form there if you want to get in touch with me, if you want to uh, talk to me about coaching and the kind of coaching I offer. You can, uh, there's a link there to my podcast if you're interested in, which kind of focuses on time management and how we think about time, how we perceive time. So that's the best way to get in touch with me. Yeah, I'd love to hear from anybody who's interested in in talking about the kind of coaching I do or, or anything else. Perfect. And that is S-C-O-T-T-M-I-L-L-E-R coaching, C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G dot com. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Dr. Lee. Thank you very much.
Thank you for listening to my podcast today. If you have any questions, email me at lua, L-U-A, at levelup by Doc Leland. Doc Leland spells D-O-C-L-E-Y-L-A-N-D dot com. Lua by Doc Leland dot com is open for consultations and courses will be offered soon. I will see you in the next episode. Stay connected, informed, and inspired. Until next time.